special edition of the PHNX Defense Podcast right here on PHNX. My name is Derek Montier. Of course, I'm your mayor of PHNX. This guy next to me is your vice mayor of PHNX, the one and only Thunderstick, Jesse Friedman. Hello, hello, Derek. You're wearing a tie today. What is uh, what is, what is going on over here? Look at this. I have no explanation for you other than uh, I wanted to, this is a very important day. I wanted to be official. Uh, and I'm excited to be here. Uh, we also have our pal from DNVR, Patrick Lyons, here that's going to be joining us momentarily. But of course, this show is brought to you by the fine folks at the DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. We are excited, guys. This is a huge day for the Arizona Diamondbacks, obviously. Uh, with the number two pick, uh, we cannot wait uh, to see who the Diamondbacks end up with. Uh, speculation has been all over the place, Jesse. Yeah. It's been an exciting day. We've been watching draft odds. We've been watching all sorts of things uh, change, fluctuate on different betting apps and things. So as it stands, Tamar Johnson right now is still the uh, odds-on betting favorite for being the number one pick to go to the Baltimore Orioles, which means the Arizona Diamondbacks would have their pick of essentially uh, the best outfielders in all in all baseball draft to choose from right yeah yeah i mean the good news here everyone is that whoever the diamondbacks take at number two is going to be a pretty darn good player yes um for at sure. least at least right now i mean the mlb draft is such that we really have no idea um who is going to be a darn good player and who's not at the end of the day but on paper on this paper. is the type of draft where being at Very number important. two is is an excellent spot to be in so uh, the Diamondbacks are going to improve their organization drastically here today. There has been a lot of talk. We've actually discussed it a bit between the two of us about if the Diamondbacks would go with any kind of positional need or if they would just go with the best available player. Uh, if, Drew, if Drew Jones does come off the board at number one, who would the, would the Diamondbacks go with at that point? There has been talk about it being Jackson Holiday. Jesse over here feels like it would be the next best available player. I still have a little bit of an issue going with like a – infielder with the diamondbacks you're kind just of. you're just convinced that jordan lawler is going to be 100 you know, an 1, absolute superstar which is a totally fair a totally fair uh you know a totally fair thing to have in your head right now um <laughs> but i mean at the end of the day the dime i think the diamondbacks are probably looking for whoever the best player that they feel uh will be in this draft and i think that's who they're going to take regardless of you know if it's you know, if they if they take a Drew Jones, then, you know, you figure you already have Corbin Carroll as, you know, your center fielder of the future. Um, or if you, you know, if you take a shortstop like Jackson Holiday, you feel like, oh, you already have Jordan Lawler there. But at the end of the day, the Diamondbacks want the best player available. And I think that's what they're going to do. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I am excited to welcome in now our buddy from DNVR, uh, the one and only Patrick Lyons, who covers the Rockies for DNR. Patrick, what's up, buddy? What's going on, gents? How are we doing today? I'm doing good. How, how do you like the tie and glasses combo, first of all? Uh, love the Dwight Schrute look. You okay. look amazing. <laughs> good, good. That's what, I'm glad people are picking up on what I was laying down there. Uh, are you guys oh, excited yeah. in, in Denver for this draft, at least as we are here in, in Arizona? Well, it's not the second overall pick. It's the 10th pick for the Rockies, so not that same kind of general excitement, but I am getting some vibes of, of 2020 when Zach Veen was a player who on some draft boards, he was as high as number two and he ended up sliding all the way down to nine to the Rockies. He obviously being one of their top prospects looked really good in Saturday's futures game, getting those vibes that maybe the guy that I liked kind of the, the, the Zach Veen of this draft, Cam Collier, maybe mm. he ends up sliding to the Rockies at 10. So that's sort of my hope right now. The Diamondbacks have quite a variety of selections, you know, as far as number two goes. And obviously what the Orioles do is going to impact the Diamondbacks. But 
What are your thoughts on what we might see from the Orioles at number one? And, and what do you expect to see from the Diamondbacks in reaction to that? Yeah, other than 2019, when they selected Adley Rutschman first overall, and he was just the obvious 1-1 pick, they've been cutting these kind of deals, right? Heston Kerstad in 2020, Colton Kowser last year in 2021, where taking a slightly lesser player who is still going to make more money than they would have naturally on their own, but yet the Orioles then save some money to use later on in the draft to entice maybe some high school players to forego college, to sign with them. So it allows them a lot of flexibility with having such a large bonus pool. Uh, and as you guys have been pointing out all day long on Twitter at PHNX underscore D backs, uh, you've been talking about it on the show here now, Tamar Johnson, maybe even a Brooks Lee. They've been in talks with guys who might be more in that five, six range, but uh, they'll get maybe even a little bit more money than they would have at five or six, and the Orioles can pocket that extra cash and then use it later on in one of their second or third picks, and maybe even get two of their, you know, the two of the what they consider the top twenty players on their draft board. What were your thoughts about that, Brooks Lee? For a minute, peak there as being the odds-on betting favorite for a while on on like DraftKings Sportsbook and a couple of other apps. What what were your thoughts on that? Did was that like kind of lined up with what you're thinking the Orioles might end up doing? Brooksley wouldn't have been that guy, but right. you know what? That's, that I, was my thought. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's interesting is because I remember, uh, gosh, I'm not sure what year it was. Maybe it was 2014 when the, uh, the Astros ended up kind of cutting a deal. Maybe it was 2012, uh, with Carlos Correa. And he didn't seem like he was the, the top overall player. We look back now and say, Oh, they ended up getting one of the best players, but For they signed right. someone below that slot dollar value and it ended up being a really good player. That very well could be the case on on Brooks Lee. No, uh, no knock on him. Tamar Johnson, I like his bat a little bit more. I like his his projectability. Um, Cal Poly, not in a big you know baseball conference, so to speak, uh, out there in in California. So you're getting a Division One guy versus a high school player. So uh, if I had my druthers, I'd probably go with a Tamar Johnson. But Brooks Lee might provide them a better discount for for saving some money for later on. I think that's the thing is we're seeing the Baltimore Orioles have the season they're having. And I wonder if the fact that they are, you know, 500 impacts their decision on who they draft. Like you said, you bring up the aspect of drafting a high school player versus a college player. There's always that danger that the high school player could still commit to college and go back into the draft. Right. Plus, you have the fact that there is uh, the advantage of a college player just being that much closer to being ready for the big leagues. So. Uh, if 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 it was up to you, what what are you doing with the number one overall draft pick? If you're let's say you're sitting as the Baltimore Orioles uh, GM, what are you doing there? Well, first thing I'm I'm moving left field back to its previous state. <laughs> that, that is just, that is a graveyard out there in Camden Yards. Trey Mancini's lost like seven home runs uh, this season because of it. But I, I'm going to try to cut a deal with with one of those players, probably Tamar Johnson. It very much could be you call three or four different guys. I don't know that you're, you're definitely not getting a discount on with Drew Jones. Sure. Uh, but yeah. you can let his agency know and, and his representation know that look. We'd be willing to give you this number. If you say yes, we would sign on the dotted line. Again, it's going to be less than that that actual first overall pick. But I'd almost call you know three different players and say the first one who says yes to it, that's who I'm going with, and I'm adjusting from there. And to your point there, Derek, which, which is really good, because most times it doesn't really matter, I don't think, as much as far as how long this player is going to need in the minors for their seasoning, if they're high school or college. You really kind of want to take the best player, and uh, maybe positional uh, depth-wise maybe isn't as important – 
But the Orioles have the 33rd overall pick. That's their next pick after 1-1. And perhaps if you got into the ear of Kumar Rocker's representation, you can go ahead and get a really young, talented player like a Tamar Johnson and then say, you know what, if, you, if you're around there at 33, I think we can end up giving you you know, uh, the 12th overall slot value dollars and pay you like you were a front end first round guy, have their cake and eat it too. And now they can start him out right away and Bowie playing for the Bay Sox there in double A. And maybe he's a guy that you can bring up in the second half of the season, almost like a, a trade acquisition in the middle of August after he gets a little bit of seasoning. And all of a sudden, maybe you can catch lightning in a bottle like the angels did with Francisco Rodriguez in 2002. Rocker is a name we've actually brought up yeah. and we speculated about it. We didn't think that he would be there when the D-backs have their competitive uh, balance pick in round A, but you never know with this draft, right? It's like, it, it's kind of like the way that this discussion about the number one overall pick is, and it's different than other sports, right? I mean, the whole slot value thing and being penalized for going over slot is, you know, obviously, you know, a different part of this versus uh, the NFL and some of the other teams where they don't, they don't have to really worry about how many picks they have in the first or second round and how that's going to impact them financially with signing all of those picks. Yeah, it's so strange. And you can't trade any of the picks. Right. Just the yeah. uh, competitive balance round picks, which don't really seem to have a ton of value. We did see that trade earlier in the week between uh, the Royals and Atlanta. But you're right. It, it is strange. It, instead of it just being the best player or even drafting for need, you don't know what you're going to need going forward. I mean, I could I could even see a scenario in which the Rockies draft uh, a catcher this year of Kevin Parada. Yeah, you know, a, a sure. guy like that it happens to be available. Well, they got Drew Romo sitting there in, in high A Spokane and is one of their top prospects, but you know, hearing the farm director Chris Forbes talk about it, hey, these things kind of can sort themselves out. Uh, maybe you have two top catchers. I mean, Atlanta's doing all right. They've got two catchers in the All-Star game this year. So, you never really know how these things are going to play out in the next two, three years going forward. Yeah. So you just have to take you know, the best player or, again, manage that money. And you say, well, we'd rather have two guys that we like a lot rather than the player we like the most. And that's, that's been, totally different. That's been part of our discussion, too, because I, yeah. I am of the mindset that they don't need to go after a shortstop, you know, like, like a Holiday or like a Tamar Johnson. But, you know, again, with baseball – the impact of that player is so far down the road that you can't really worry right now yeah. about what you do and don't have as much as just worrying about making sure that you get the best available pick when you draft it. And there's also a scenario, too, to think about if if you do take a middle infielder there and you're like, well, hey, Jordan Lawler, we, we got this guy. He's all right. Uh, it, it'll, it'll be a nice bridge uh, for the end of the Nick Ahmed era there. Uh, still waiting for the big Nick Ahmed uh, <laughs> shirt from hey, that hasn't, that hasn't come yet, Patrick. He, we, he's under control for another season, so you never you never know how long Nick Ahmed might be around. Are for. you saying it's on the way? Perhaps I'm saying I'm saying it's in the works. I'm saying it's in the works. Okay, now you've got me titillated over here. It but, mostly has to do with inflammation and diet and stuff, but we'll you know we'll make sure that we get something that he would like out there for sure. Oh, I, I love that. And I love the ability for the Diamondbacks, who I think are going to be competitive a lot sooner than maybe some people 
may realize. I mean, look, right. they, they've got a lot of good, young, exciting players. And even imagine in two years from now, two years from now could really be when their window starts to open. Right. Uh, and yeah. you start to really see them win a lot more ball games. Well, guess what? If you got Jordan Lawler at shortstop and a Tamar Johnson or, or uh, a Jackson Holiday at shortstop down in double A, then you've got yourself a wonderful trade chip to add a piece in and help right. keep that window open and really help fortify the roster to possibly win another NLS title. And that seems to be the route that you need to go in order to win, right? Like the Rockies and the Diamondbacks, they're kind of in a position right now where they are basically trying to figure out who their core is, who they're going to build around for the future. I feel like the Rockies are a little bit more defined in who their core is. The D-backs are still kind of establishing that. But, you know, after that, there's steps to take to get to that next level. And sometimes that step is making those trades or making those big free agent signings. That's going to be that thing to get you over the top, especially with us in the NL West. You can't expect to completely do it through your farm system. There's no way you're going to beat the Dodgers without, you know, adding some of those pieces, either through big trades or through free agency. So like you said, those trade chips could become very valuable. It's just I just want I just want uh, Drew Jones so bad. And I think at this point, I, I don't know how I will react if the Diamondbacks... <laughs> we're, we're pretty worried over here, Patrick. If it's not Drew Jones, look, then they, all hell might break They started wrapping here. stuff in bubble wrap and, like, waterproofing things. And I'm like, this is an overreaction. It's not a Gallagher <laughs> show. Uh, I might lose my shit, but it's mostly because I think Drew Jones is going to be one of those talent that if you don't take, you're going to regret that you did. I think the Orioles might have that feeling, even though they might end up with a batch of talent that might be more valuable than just putting all of their eggs in in one basket as far as their their slot value and everything that they're doing with the draft in, in Drew Jones. Yeah. I Patrick, I want to ask you this. Do you feel like the MLB draft is we we talked earlier about how the the MLB draft is just not it's not really in the same stratosphere as the NBA draft or the NFL draft just in terms of entertainment value and how much interest it draws. Do you think there are easy things that Major League Baseball could do in order to make this event more marketable um, and something that draws more coverage than like the show that we're doing and you know what you can watch on MLB Network? There's not that much what other the coverage hell? out there, right? Like, why are you undercutting us? We're here doing the thing. No, I'm saying <laughs> I'm saying we're like almost the only ones doing it, right? Whereas all of the other drafts in in pro sports draw so much more coverage from Absolutely. from basically everyone. No, he's right. It's true. I think I think baseball is kind of on their way to that. You know, 2020 in the pandemic season, they were going to have that draft in Omaha during the College World Series, and it might still be something that they look to do because them waiting this long for the for the All Star break kind of throws a wrench into the you know the summer wood bat leagues uh, and and everything that goes into that. But I think they're kind of on their way. They're they're trying to do the draft combine business a little bit better. You're starting to see more coverage with that. Uh, I believe they're they're even have something into in the works where for any of the players who go and, and take a physical at those combines, they're going to be guaranteed something like 75% of the slot value so that there's not any of those big surprises like Kumar Rocker last year when sure. he was taken 10th by the Mets. The medicals were not great. And so there was there was no deal there. Or even going back even further with the Texas Rangers uh some point in the mid nineties with RA Dickey and they found out, Oh, it turns out you know, he had blown his ACL out uh, and, and they didn't realize what they had. And so he went from being a multi-million dollar bonus baby to a guy who just got a, a couple hundred thousand dollars <laughs> yeah. because there weren't those medical. So I think baseball is trying to get more eyes on their product. 
the biggest challenge that they just simply can't overcome is the fact that it takes these players so long to go from being drafted right. to when they actually get to the majors or even make an impact. And so, you know, that might require a certain change on how minor league baseball is covered, uh, particularly on the MLB network and, and getting more of those games, having a, you know, the futures game obviously is a, is a big part of that, but that's something that's been around for 20 years now. Uh, so they, they just got to get more eyes on, on, on the younger players, make them more household names, boost it somehow. I mean, I think a, a one of the, another one of those kind of logical uh, advancements that they could make to make people more interested and invested in these young players would be, they go to the Little League World Series and they play a game there. We've got the Field of Dreams as one of those alternative site games. Have a couple games at the College World Series where these college guys can watch the pros. And now people are paying a little bit more attention to the college guys. And it's just this kind of domino effect where people are like, oh, I I've heard of this guy already rather than, okay, they took someone. I have no idea who he is. How excited should I be? The fans will actually right. have their own excitement right. uh, to the table. Well, and there is that factor that a guy that gets drafted by a team might go to college instead of going to that team. I think baseball's yeah. draft is a bit confusing, and it even plays into sometimes the draft itself, right? I think one of the reasons why the Diamondbacks were able to get Jordan Lawler when they did was because he was he was signed to Vanderbilt, and there was concern that he might go, you know, go to Vanderbilt, right? So there, there's things like that that are just so vastly different about the MLB draft than all the other drafts because of that kind of, you know, like, oh, I can commit and then I can kind of pull out if I didn't, you know, if I didn't go high enough or if I don't really like the situation I'm being drafted into. Yeah. Yeah, they, they could create different changes in, in future CBAs so that, again, it, it somehow guarantees it where uh, I heard a football player recently uh, sharing a story about how after the, the draft combine, he was slated to go in around these rounds. And so you had an idea where you're going. And so if they did something like that, where these high school players were going to the combine, they would say, hey, we feel you're probably going to go around this pick or in this round. That's the consensus. So we can guarantee that you're going to get 75% of that money in that spot if you sign on the dotted line. So going into the draft, there really aren't those signability concerns. It's just, are you going to sign the guy for 75% of that figure or the full 100%? Now, again, those you know high school players, those amateur players have to now give up their rights uh, to do that. But it is something that the Players Association, they're kind of working on. It's something that they're discussing right now with an international draft and yeah, kind I of, you know, giving up uh, someone else's rights that aren't theirs necessarily to give away. But, you know, we see that in other sports. And so I, I think overall, Major League Baseball realizes that they have a little bit of an issue with this. I don't think there's a perfect way where the MLB draft is the same as the NFL or the NBA draft. But I still think overall, they definitely can do a better job. How about not having it during the middle of the season? How it about is, not it having weird. it while baseball games are actually going on <laughs> during the middle of the day? Would that be at least one way to rectify that? That's such a great point, but I don't know how you do that. They, they don't play baseball. I mean, they do have like kind of like a fall season, right? so to speak, but it's, it's a little bit different. That, that obviously typical, would go right? a long way. I think so. Yeah. I think so. But Patrick, I know you have prep to do for your show. I know you guys do a great job uh, with the DNVR Rockies. So make sure to follow Patrick on Twitter at Patrick D. Lyons. We thank you, sir, so much for joining us and bringing your analysis. I also appreciate your Dwight Schrute comment. That was, uh, again, the exact thing I was going for. So I'm glad you were picking it up. I get you, Derek. Don't worry. I know you do. I know you do. You get me more than most people do, Patrick. And I love that about you. Uh, thank you, sir. I appreciate you and have a great one. 
Thank you guys. Thanks. Good Patrick. luck on your show. I, I would say go Rockies to him, but that doesn't you feel like say that no, I'm not. That's there. not the right thing to say at all. Uh, anyway, we are locked in. The Baltimore Orioles are now on the clock. And again, what the Baltimore Orioles do have such a has such a huge impact on what the Diamondbacks do, right? It does. It does. And um, I think it's pretty clear at this point, Derek. I mean, if if the Baltimore Orioles do not take Drew Jones, I think it's not it's not for sure. Uh, I'm not making any guarantees. I feel like you're guaranteeing I'm me. Not, and I'm that's not a bad thing to, to do. I'm just going to be I'm setting myself up poorly for your reaction <laughs> if Drew Jones does not enter the Diamondbacks organization today. But... Um, but I think we can be fairly confident that that's likely what the Diamondbacks will oh, do. Oh, so, man. So this that's pick exciting. Is, this pick is, exciting. is very big. What the Orioles do, obviously, with them having the number one overall pick is going to be a very large factor in what the Diamondbacks are able to do with their pick. And it could reverse my entire uh, anger about that last game of the season. Maybe I won't be mad at Josh Van Meter anymore. Well, Who knows, what's, right? What's funny here is that Elijah Green was uh, the big name that he we really were was. back then. And he Elijah really Green... He's still, you know, he's still in the mix for the top 10 for sure. Um, but it is far from a consensus that Elijah Green will be in the top three or even top five in this draft. We got Rob Manfred at a podium, Jesse. So I think we the do. pick is in. I think it's about to happen. Uh, the draft is about to kick off. So this is exciting. Uh, the anticipation is killing me. I, I can't wait to see who the Diamondbacks uh, select. Who do you think is the best fit? I mean, do you really think it's an outfielder at this point for this team? The draft is suspiciously low on pitching talent, which I think it would is, be a, a primary focus for the D-backs if there was more elite pitching talent available in this draft, but that's it doesn't true. seem like that's the case. Yeah, I mean, the Diamondbacks, as far as their future is concerned, they're in a pretty good spot um, on the position player side of things, right? With Corbin Carroll, with Alec Thomas, you oh. know, with Dalton Varsho doing what he's doing, um, and of course, Jordan Lawler, the list goes on. We, we're in a pretty good spot as far as the position player future of this team is concerned there are more questions on the pitching side um and For on sure. that front it'd be it would be nice in some ways if the diamondbacks had a better group of pitchers to choose from but uh, that is very, very unlikely to happen in, in their first for their first overall pick. It's pretty rough because the Diamondbacks, once again, have this farm system where the uh, two stops on your way to the major leagues aren't exactly pitcher friendly ballparks. Things tend to fall apart a bit for certain guys. Tommy Henry continues to have a great season for the Diamondbacks for the Reno Aces. So he's a bright spot, I think, pitching wise for this team right now. Yeah. Um, but I, I really think at this point, the Diamondbacks, like you said, I'm kind of coming around on them just drafting the best available player, I just think that's going to still end up being Drew Jones. I think it likely will. Oh, man, I don't know what I'm going to do if they don't. I'm <laughs> going to be so angry. Uh, but speaking of our farm system and how good it's it's been, Corbin Carroll had an incredible game in the Futures game. He went one for one for one with a double and a walk, but as good as you can hope from a young he guy in a game like that. He did get third base, but Come I, on. Guess we'll, I guess we'll let that slide. Come on, we'll we're let letting that, that slide. slide. We're absolutely letting that slide. <laughs> uh, Jordan Lawler also had an at-bat uh, in the All-Star Futures game, so things are exciting for this team, and these guys are close. Corbin Carroll, more than anything, looked like Major League ready in that game. Yeah. I think that's one thing I took away from his appearance in that Futures game. It was just, yeah. I don't know. It's hard to describe. Like It's like how I felt about Alec Thomas. I, I had seen a lot of footage of Alec Thomas, but sometimes with – MLB prospects, you're looking at five-year-old footage of them in high school, three-year-old sure. footage of them at single A or whatever, right? So when I saw Alec Thomas at the D-backs minor league camp, this, you know, when when the uh, lockout was still going on, he looked like major league ready. You know what I mean? Yeah. He just physically, he looked like he was ready to be here and be uh, a, a part of this team. And now 
I, I feel the same thing watching Corbin Carroll. It's exciting. He's he's getting close. Oh, there. He's so getting close. close. And, uh, you know, it's it's entirely possible that before the end of this season, we see Corbin Carroll donning a diamondback you're going there you're going there i'm I'm locking it in there i'm I'm saying i'm saying it's possible um it's not a guarantee but you're getting you're getting my hopes up in several ways jesse you're just really setting setting up for disappointment this this could get ugly uh but we'll we'll hope you take it easy (laughs) uh yeah but anyway if you guys haven't signed up already make sure to sign up for a membership at our website over at gophnx.com of course if you get an annual membership you will get a free t-shirt at the phnxlocker.com like this guy's wearing over here. They're incredible. They're beautiful. Emma's got our Seth Beer shirt on. It's it's just a, a bevy of beautiful shirts, and you get your selection if you're an annual member. Of course, if you get the month-to-month membership, uh, you'll get your first month for just 50 cents, so we're hooking you up either way. Regardless of your membership status, you get me- access to our members-only Discord, which is always a fun place to be. I, I want to be in there right now. I'm like I'm sitting here wondering what's going on in the Discord as we talk. <laughs> I wonder what they think about my glasses. These aren't real glasses, you guys. Um, <laughs> I don't wear glasses, but uh, they, I thought they made me look smart for this. So uh, also make sure if you sign up, you get your free uh, or excuse me, not free, but uh, members only discounts over at the phnxlocker.com. So even if you go with the month to month option, you will still get those discounts over at the PHNX Locker. Uh, also, if you're watching us right now on YouTube, so many of you are. Thank you guys for joining us. Make sure to subscribe to the PHNX YouTube channel as well as sign up for notifications. That way you don't miss whenever we go live, uh, as well as listening to our podcast. This show is available on audio. If you want to listen to it while you're driving, flying, doing whatever, uh, you can get us. And make sure if you uh, download us on your favorite audio podcasting app, subscribe and leave us a five star review if you feel that Jesse deserves it. I don't know about me. But of course, you know, I, I think I'm a pretty all right guy. It's not a hard decision. It's yeah, not a hard decision. Really, no, really but uh, the picks are starting, Jesse. And uh, I'm, 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 the Orioles have like less than a minute now at this point. So uh, the Diamondbacks' fate is just about to be a little bit clearer. But uh, I don't know. I think that this draft, we've talked about how good this draft is. Um, and of course, we, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm, I, I love watching Jacob cry. It's one of my favorite pastimes. Wow. So I love it. It's great. It's <laughs> His sadness brings me so much joy. In this case, though, I don't want him to cry. I want the Diamondbacks to get Drew Jones. Uh, there's a lot of children of uh, professional athletes in this, uh, in this draft. There's a lot of top-tier talent in this draft. There's a lot of names being thrown around. I've seen some people want the Diamondbacks to draft Jackson Holiday over Drew Jones, even if he's available. So... It's uh, it's a weird draft where really it feels like, you know, with so many good picks, you can't really go wrong with who you draft. But yeah. there's still going to be some scrutiny tied to it based on who goes after the Diamondbacks and, and how successful those players are if they don't take them. Right. Yeah. I mean, we we asked people on Twitter today, Derek, who um, and it looks like the pick, the is, pick in. is in and it is Tamar Johnson. It is Tamar Johnson to the Baltimore Orioles again. The odds-on favorite, Tamar Johnson, the number one overall pick in the MLB draft, uh, goes to the Baltimore Orioles. So uh, they still have four picks tonight. First, 33rd, a uh, lot of picks. But Tamar Johnson, uh, not. I'm not surprised by that at all. I think that's a name that's been tied to the Baltimore Orioles now for months and months, right? Yeah, well, once again, the uh, the odds on the DraftKings Sportsbook app, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Spot on here. Tamar Johnson was, was the odds on Those folks know favorite. what they're doing over they, there. At they the know what they're Sportsbook. doing, yeah. So uh, as far as Tamar Johnson is concerned, um, this kid is said to have uh, potentially the best hit tool of any high schooler that has been in the draft for about a decade. 
Um, and so no, no, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. It did they, not happen. <laughs> they took Jackson Holiday. Holy crap! Oh my gosh! Wow! We're off to a great start here, Derek. We are off to. A great, <laughs> they showed Tamar Johnson getting they up and walking to the, sta- to the stage, uh, but no, the Diamondbacks go, or the Orioles go Jackson Holiday. Uh, this is incredible, you guys, because again, somebody we thought that wasn't the uh, tied to the Orioles at all, right? I don't think we've heard. Uh, we saw several names, uh, but yeah, obviously Jackson Holiday has been considered uh, the best available shortstop. Tamar Johnson was considered the best bat actively right in the draft but uh, to, uh jackson holiday son of matt holiday this is incredible and we are yeah. off We're, what an incredible start we already got the first pick wrong but uh the diamondbacks <laughs> are now on the it doesn't matter it doesn't matter you know who they didn't take they didn't take drew jones he's still on the board that's all that matters so now we have the arizona diamondbacks just over two minutes on the clock jackson holiday very excited he is watching it looks like from his home in oklahoma which is something we talked about with this draft there's actually a lot of a lot of players in this draft are at home versus what we see with the nfl draft where the top usually usually how the mlb draft works a lot of guys are at home rather than being there on site Um, right so this this is interesting derek i know that you want drew jones and people in the chat i think largely want drew jones jacob's Um, going to cry if we don't get drew jones i I don't think jacob will be the only one so, so the the argument in favor of Tamar Johnson, I just wanna I just wanna make this out here while we have a moment. If you draft Tamar Johnson, then you probably can get him for a little bit under slot value, right? Which right. theoretically could give the Diamondbacks an opportunity to spend a little bit more on their competitive balance pick at number thirty four, and then in the second round at number forty three. Which is um, which is kind of how the Baltimore Orioles picks kind right, of are trending. Which right? is how the Orioles, Orioles have a similar approach. situation as the D backs. They actually have more picks in the top fifty than right. the D backs, right? So right. they do have the ability to have their money go a bit further, and if they can save it on the overall pick, but they're not saving on Jackson Holiday. They're not. He's the They're, number two overall yeah. pick, right? Aren't they going like pretty much in slot value when it comes to pretty somebody much, that was ranked in the top three? Like pretty that? much slot value. Yeah, I mean, maybe you get him for just a little bit less. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, he's totally deserving of being number one. He's definitely not the not the guy that a lot of people expected. I think this is not uh, at all. this is a bit not of a surprise in, in some ways. Um, props to those of you who bet on Jackson Holiday going number one. <laughs> you probably got really <laughs> probably, good odds. Probably probably it was did. like plus eight hundred yeah, or something. You probably right? did really well on that. Oof. Uh, but yeah, now the Diamondbacks have about 35 seconds left on the clock before their pick is you, in. Are you ready for this? Derek? I am ready not for ready for this. <laughs> Jesse Friedman, are you shitting me? Oh, this is exciting. So because- we're saying we're saying probably Drew Jones or Tamar Johnson, and probably Drew Jones of this. Jesse is saying this probably Tamar Johnson. Don't get it twisted. I'm not. I saying, am not I saying, did not say probably Tamar Johnson. I'm not Johnson. saying probably anybody but Drew Jones at this point. Anybody but Drew Jones, I think, is a disappointment uh, for for me at least. But. 10 seconds, folks, 10 seconds, and then we will know who the Arizona Diamondbacks have selected. Uh, so, again, this is a- extremely important, I think, for the future of the franchise. It's just so weird because baseball players take so long for them to actually impact the franchise. And I think especially uh, right now, no matter the direction they go, there's a good chance it's going to be a-, a high school player. And it's a good chance it's yeah. going to be somebody that's going to take a while before that we see them in right. th- major leagues. But uh, the pick is in. We're ready to go. Uh, I'm excited Here for we this. Here we go. Here we go. They're interviewing Jackson Holiday at home right now, but I, I, I really need to see who the Diamondbacks pick. Um, in the meanwhile, it's interesting uh, to see uh, exactly what they have going on. His his dad's with him, Matt, and, of course, uh, we know about his 
MLB career. We know a thing or two about Matt. Yeah, on the Rockies we're familiar with years. that guy. Uh, of course, uh, I'm sure Patrick is very familiar with him. Uh, but like, here we go. The Diamondbacks, whatever they do here is going to be huge. This is exciting. I can't is wait it, for this. Is it aggravating for you, Derek, that it says the pick is in? It's killing and we're me. Just, and we're just sitting here. Sitting here. <laughs> Again, we talked about ways that they can improve the draft. Uh, I think to get all the hype up and now to be interviewing the first overall pick. Like, I get it. The first overall pick is a big deal. But again, this is why the uh, players being there, I think, is such a big deal, right? You get to get them up on the stage, hat on, jersey on, the photo op with Manfred. And then, you know, a couple of quick questions before we move on to the next pick in the draft. In this case, it's uh, pretty agonizing to me right now, Jesse. I'm dying inside. Uh, And I don't know. Jacob Franklin asks in the chat, what if they went with Elijah? And I think I'd be pretty torn at this point. I don't wow, know. Wow, you of all people oh my torn God, the, about Elijah Green. <laughs> I'll tell you, I think the Thanos Elijah Green meme by me from last season is dead forever now because uh, obviously I am leaning mostly in the in the direction of Drew Jones. The one thing about Elijah Green that they've said quite a bit has been his, uh, especially at the Combine, his, his swing and miss was... Right was exposed a bit. They still classify him as having the highest upside at, at potential in the draft. But right, I mean, right. what does that mean sometimes? Potential, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, I we've get just it. We've seen there are so many like toolsy, like well-built outfielders that we've seen get taken high in the MLB draft that just don't pan out the way that people think that they will. Right. I um, mean, hitting the ball is so in, such an important part of hitting baseball, the ball is no a matter pretty how important part. It is, you are, Derek. Right? <laughs> Hashtag analysis. You should put the glasses back on, Derek. I'm that, back was, on. Uh, that was good. Uh, uh, <laughs> Tighten the tie up. I'm gonna sit down a little bit, so maybe you can't see my shorts so much. I don't know. I'm not. It's 105 degrees in this office right now. It is. Folks, it is so, a little warm in here. Uh, the glasses are a little bit foggy, and we've been looking at a thing saying the Arizona Diamondbacks pick is in for close to. Close to two minutes now. So they're just toying with us. But uh, this, this again, is part of the MLB draft where it does move a little bit slower, right, than the, than the regular draft. We can't get as hyped up and as excited about these picks and moving on because uh, it's dragging on now. I'm just, I'm just thankful that we don't have all 20 this. rounds in one day. Oh, God. Can you imagine? Oh, God. <laughs> I can only imagine how long these two rounds are going to take today. But uh, Jacob asks if we got any good jokes. I do not. <laughs> not right now. Um, here's another thing is that the Diamondbacks also have a lot of picks like the Baltimore Orioles. So yeah. Mark asks, how many picks do we have tonight? And it is three. We have three picks. We have the uh, compensation, right? The compensation draft round A or competitive i'm sorry competitive, competitive balance balance, there you competitive go. balance round a words are hard uh we have one in there and then we also have the 43rd pick so the diamondbacks are actually in a good position but again it begs the question like would they try to save money to potentially get better players later we talked about kamar rocker and he's somebody that could potentially maybe be available in that competitive yeah. balance round a yeah kumar rocker is a fascinating case we talked about it with uh with patrick lyons as well as I'm over here refreshing Jeff Passon's Twitter account every two seconds. Yeah, what is he? Uh, what is Jeff saying? We have we have nothing. Jeff's got nothing. Jeff, nothing. where are you? <laughs> Where's our woes? We need somebody giving us these picks like five minutes before they hit the screen. He did get the Jackson Holiday pick beforehand, right. so I think right. uh, he'll probably have it before the TV does. But um, but yeah, I I don't know. It's it's going to be uh, the Kumar Rocker situation is really interesting. Um, he's been pitching in an independent league. Um, he pitched just a few games there to kind of show off what he could do. He didn't go to college um, and he unveiled the teams 
Um, he unveiled the teams what his medical background actually was. And that was sort of the reason that things fell apart with the Mets last year. Um, he had a procedure over over the fall, um, but apparently people were pretty impressed with him. So um, I don't know if he'll be there at number 34 by the time the Diamondbacks opportunity rolls around. But uh, you never you never know. It's wild with the draft, uh, the the predictions, because some guys are as low in like they're in the like early 20s or the late 50s as far as the draft pick is concerned. But the Diamondbacks second overall pick 34th and uh, 43rd. So. Again, Baseball America has the best available prospects. Jackson Holiday was third for them coming off the board. Uh, Drew Jones still ranked first. Brooks Lee has kind of slid in. His name's kind of come up a bit out of nowhere as of late. Do you, uh, Brooks Lee? Yeah. Do you have any? Yeah. I mean, I think I think Brooks Lee was more about the Baltimore Orioles um, than it was than it was anyone else. Um, we might be getting pretty close here, though. Yeah. There's some. There's some focusing in. Is that Drew? I think that's Drew Jones right there. Yeah, let's uh, let's let's get him on stage. Oh, Passon, Jeff Passon dropped it. Did he drop it? Jesse, I believe, refresh. I believe it is happening. I is it happening? it's happening? It's happening. It's happening. Oh, thank you, Jeff Passon. Here comes Rob Manfred to tell us the good news that the Arizona Diamondbacks have drafted essentially the number one overall pick. This is a this is a pretty cool moment. This is um, incredible. Jeff Passan has tweeted it out. We have Rob Manfred on the stage. I don't right care. Now. It's not official. Let's fucking go. <laughs> Let's go. Baxter's excited. I didn't know Baxter was there. <laughs> Let's go, Drew Jones, baby. I didn't know they let Baxter into LA of I all know, places. I, I'm sure he's up to date on all of his cat vaccinations and whatnot. But <laughs> Drew Jones, the Diamondbacks somehow. Walk away. And again, not, I guess not that unexpected, but just exciting to see yeah. this. And I don't want any of your shit. Don't start fucking tweeting me about how they're going to trade him away before. Dude, we're, <laughs> we're past that. We're better than that now. Let's come on. Let's get together as a group and focus. This is exciting. The Diamondbacks with the second overall pick still walk away with essentially the, the uh, experts consensus best overall pick. Yeah. Yeah. This is a, I mean, this is a huge moment for the franchise. Drew Jones on the vast majority of of draft boards, if you haven't been, uh, you know, looking at all of the different draft boards that have been put out, Drew Jones, Derek is on the top of of basically all of them. Look at his weaknesses. Swing isn't always fluid. Are you shitting me? That's his only weakness. <laughs> Defense, all the tools, all the tools. Oh, you better, you better no, believe. No offense to Dalton Varsho. Yeah, no, no but... offense to Dalton Varsho. Some people also have all the tools. Uh, Pitch recognition, very big for Drew Jones. Obviously, very athletic, very powerful. Uh, he's got he's got a substantial amount of power. I think one thing that's been very yeah. impressive about watching him has, has been his defense, right? Um, yeah. The thought about having him, Corbin Carroll, and Alec Thomas together be an in insane, an outfield. An absolutely insane defense. It's fucking wild. Yeah. It's mind-blowing, yeah. right? So, I mean, again, the... The outfield that the Diamondbacks could have of the future is literally like giving me goosebumps right now thinking about it. And that's not even like at the dish. That's just thinking of them defensively. And what we've seen so far out of Corbin Carroll is that this guy is legit. So, I mean, let's cover some of the basics here with Drew Jones. So he's the son of... Of Andrew a fairly, Jones, fairly well known, a fairly, fairly well known major Andrew player. with a U. There's not a lot of Andrews with a U. Ten gold gloves, I want to say, for his for his father. So he can, he comes by his defensive oh, yeah. ability pretty honestly. And Patrick Lyons is right. I'm absolutely going to be hanging out with Andrew Jones. I think I think Andrew Jones will like my shirts very much. That's what I think. <laughs> but 
Uh, yes, Jesse, the reverse psychology work. Good there you job, go. There buddy. You go. This is all me. Yeah, he did it. That's a big win. <laughs> as far as as far as Drew Jones as a player, though, just covering kind of more of the the fundamentals of who he is and uh, just kind of the some of the concerns and some of the strengths for him moving forward. Mark Solaire is right, by the way. We lead the league in great hair right now. I'm that is sure. that is also true. Uh, that is also true. Yeah, um, I, I, yeah. Jacob Franklin says nothing will get in the gaps with the future outfield. He's absolutely right. That's it could be absolutely insane. Uh, like um, Clutch Canucks says, I can now happily watch Drew Jones highlights. <laughs> there you go. I'm with you on that. Just, a little just bit. Uh, you'll just assume that you'll basically be watching uh, Drew Jones. You'll basically be watching his son when you watch uh, his father's <sighs> highlights. So, um, Man. but no. So Drew Jones, as far as um, the way that he's viewed by scouts moving forward. Um, the one, the one concern here, Derek, is how well he'll hit. Basically, the hit tool. So, yeah. um, you know, is he a guy who hits the majors and his power is for real? But you know, maybe he's more of a two forty sort of hitter, right? Um, but the good news with him is that he's a plus plus runner. Um, his speed on the base paths is for real. He can steal bases, and the fact that he plays about as good of a center field as you're ever going to find in a high school kid. Um, I mean, makes him about as exciting of a prospect as there is. Um, if you look at MLB Pipeline's list um, for top prospects available in this draft, um, some people might be familiar with the 20 to 80 scale that scouts generally use where 50 is right smack dab in the middle. And then, of course, 80 would be the, the upper bound and then 20 would be the lower bound. Andrew Jones is, or Drew Jones is the only player who comes in at a 65 on that list. Uh, after him, it is all 60 or below so he is viewed as being in some ways kind of a tier above every other prospect in this draft even though I think the the first six or seven guys you really can't go wrong here but the Diamondbacks did about as well as they possibly could with this pick uh son of Andrew five-time all-star 10-time gold glove winner. five-time all-star 10-time gold glove Uh, again another guy that was committed to Vanderbilt Uh, Vanderbilt Arizona State these are schools that uh that are very good college schools or as far as uh creating you know, future top prospects and things like that. But uh, I'm I'm very excited about the idea of Andrew Jones, or excuse me, uh, <laughs> Andrew Jones being around the field. I'm excited about that. Uh, now, I mean, overall, I think the Diamondbacks obviously got exactly what they wanted, which was the best available position player, regardless yeah. of the position. But I, I do think this is significant. I mean, it really is. It's we joked about the loss with Josh Van Meter and giving the Orioles the overall o, number one overall pick. But in the end, it doesn't matter because they're still going to go based on, uh, you know, things like this, like, yeah, positional needs, you know, slot value, all of this other stuff. Right. The chat is going crazy right now, Derek, because something very unexpected has happened. Kumar Rocker the Texas Rangers at number have three. selected Kumar Rocker at number three. Kumar oh Rocker was taken at number 10 last year and was not signed due to health concerns. And this year, as I talked about a few minutes ago, we did a sort of showcase in the Frontier League, which is an independent league. He pitched a few games there, kind of showed off what he could do. He had some pretty good stuff. This is wild. This is unprecedented, though. Kumar Rocker, most people had going between 20 and 35. Uh, We were even talking about the Diamondbacks maybe having a shot at getting him (laughs) in the competitive balance round about 30 picks from now. So this uh, this is a big, bold move by the Texas Rangers passing on uh, Tamar Johnson passing on some of these other guys who are available near the top. Uh, Elijah Green. Uh, this is a this is a big big move for them. Here's the thing about Kumar Rocker is it actually makes a little bit of sense for the Texas Rangers because they feel like they've kind of expedited their timeline and Kumar Rocker is probably yeah. 
theoretically closer to the big leagues than a lot of the other yeah. options that they had available at this pick. But, I mean, there's plenty of guys in between now and Rocker that were college players that would be considered to be a higher uh, – at least a, a yeah. higher draft pick selection than than Rocker. That's mind blowing. Again, this is this is the excitement of the MLB draft. You literally have no idea what's going to happen because teams have different game plans, and those game plans can really be impacted by what timeline they're looking at. Yeah. Right? It's like the Orioles. I feel like got their timeline has been expedited just a little bit by the way they're playing this year. I mean, I'm sure they're just kind of playing with house money, kind of like the Diamondbacks were at one point, sure. but. Are right. you uh, are you retracting your Diamondbacks playing with house money comments from earlier in the season, Derek? Are we, I mean, at this point, point? there. I mean, uh, yes, at this point, I would say that the D backs are the Diamondbacks just beat the San Diego Padres. By the way, not not that that not feels to take particularly relevant away. right now, but <laughs> right, uh, they're forty and fifty two now, so they're twelve games below five hundred. I guess a big part of that is that yeah, with them being twelve games below five hundred, they're not playing with house money as much probably anymore not. they're yeah, still a little not. bit ahead of the curve as far as where we expected them to be but at this point uh if they're going to finish the season well below 500 and probably right in between that range of 70 to 80 wins this season but uh again i think that that's why they have a different timeline that's why drew jones fits yeah fits with their timeline right it is pretty crazy that the first two picks i mean you've literally got son of matt holiday son of Andrew Jones, like two baseball legends, you know, their offspring are are being ushered into the to the big leagues here. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> their, their offspring are now officially codified as actual major league baseball players. Although I guess not really. I mean, they're they're yeah, probably going to oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. hang actually out in rookie ball first. for, uh, yeah, for a while. Might be a few years. Yeah, but. But, uh, and we'll get around to talking about the Diamondbacks being the Padres here very soon. But this is uh, this is exciting. There's there's Drew Jones, baby, with the Diamondbacks hat on already. Confetti in the room. Another guy, once again, at home with his family, not present at the draft. Another that's surprising to me. I mean, he's I got guess, a good headset though. I respect oh, the uh, the headset. attention to detail. He's ready to do interviews with us, he right? Is, like he he's ready. ready. Oh yeah. Let's get him in here. <laughs> I mean, I imagine the Diamondbacks feel like they like the Diamondbacks have to be popping bottles of champagne and celebrating, right? I mean, I knew they just like us they had a great they had a good idea this was going to happen but still it's got to feel like such a success to actually have that guy now as part of your organization yeah yeah this is uh this is a pretty crazy moment i mean we've been looking we've had today circled for a long time derek as being one of the most important days um for the diamondbacks franchise this season i mean it's more important than any any game they're going to play this year right frankly i mean this is pretty much the biggest decision that they have had to make in the year 2022 and probably the biggest decision that they will have to make uh, through the rest of the year. So um, getting Drew Jones here, uh, seeing him don this this Diamondbacks cap on MLB Network is, is a pretty cool moment. This is obviously right up there with Justin Upton as far yeah. as when they drafted. Yeah. It's a similar situation, right? The 2004 season was one of the worst seasons in franchise history. It's pretty just rough. Like, just like last year was. <laughs> and they ended up getting a talent that became – I mean, really close to being the guy like I my first seasons of covering this team were around Justin Upton and I never felt like he wanted to be the guy as much as that was being thrust upon him. It was just so um, his career as a Diamondback was just so strange because he was he was so good, like pretty quickly. And then, you know, once they moved him to the Braves and and even prior to that, he kind of just started, you know, turning the wrong direction. It was it was a little bit strange how things worked out there. But 
Um, I don't know. You you perceive Justin Upton as being someone who who didn't want to be that guy, you think? When I was around them in the locker room, I think that there was this idea from it's kind of like Paul Goldschmidt, right? Like there's this idea that when you're the best player on the team, now you're the leader. Yeah. Now you're thrust into that role of being kind of the mouthpiece and the focal point of the team. Sure. And both Goldschmidt and Upton just seemed reluctant to even want yeah. that role, right? I mean, Goldie, I think, was a leader in his own way, but... But you're, I don't recall hearing much of that with regard to Justin Upton, like right. being a clubhouse leader type. That didn't really seem to be he, who he was. He was very close with Chris Young. And in my first seasons of covering this team, I remember them kind of like getting their stuff and heading out, like not really wanting that media attention and things like that, good or bad, not just when things were bad, but like just in general, right? So I guess part of that is having that personality, right? We've talked about that with like David Peralta. Yeah. David Peralta has the kind of personality that you know really does reflect wanting to be that in that leadership role at least like with the media and stuff we do have the fourth pick in the draft now being finalized and now we can say tamar johnson has finally come off the board going to the pittsburgh pirates with the fourth overall pick and i mean if i was the pirates i think i'd be pretty damn thrilled about tamar johnson falling to us at three yeah this is a really great situation for the pirates um yeah, Tamar Johnson is once again probably is the best hit tool of anyone that we've seen out of a high school kid for about a decade. Um, what does that mean? What does best hit tool mean? Does it just mean like just the most advanced hitter or what, yeah, what is the best? It's hit just tool? it's I mean, so his approach is is excellent. Um, and it's I guess it's sort of like bat to ball skills, like the ability yeah. to make contact and consistently drive the ball. Um, you know, and, and make hard contact, I guess, is really the most important factor there. Um, he just has a short, compact stroke. He's kind of a smaller guy. Oh, I think he's 5'8". Um, and so uh, he's one of the smaller guys in in the draft. But we've seen guys, Derek, who were, you know, not necessarily the biggest the, the biggest guys out there who turn into Jose Ramirez or Mookie Betts or, you Jose know, Altuve. Jose Altuve, yeah. who's probably even smaller than Tamar Johnson. Yeah. It's pretty crazy what some of these guys are able to do. Uh, you know, despite what their size might tell you. Uh, Mark Slayer wants to know what are we going to be calling that outfield of our young short king, Drew Jones and Corbin? Um, I don't know. Very good right now. That's where what I'm is, calling them. Where do you think, where does this put Dalton Varsho's future? Obviously, we're asking these questions way too early, and Drew Jones is is probably three or four years away, if we're being realistic here. But let's let's go there, Derek, just for fun. Where does Dalton Varsho play? If you've got Alec Thomas, Corbin Carroll, and Drew Jones, hopefully someday in a Diamondbacks outfield altogether. Dalton Varsho theoretically doesn't have a spot there. Does Varsho not appeal to you behind the plate? You know, I thought he did a pretty good job earlier this season. Because that's he what was, he's been, right? Like yeah. in minor leagues and stuff, he was always a catcher. So I, I've always seen him as being the catcher of the future for this team. But I guess I question that because he doesn't get much time there. Yeah. And players like, you know, like uh, they brought up on the broadcast today, Carson Kelly has moved into that role of being Madison Bumgarner's primary catcher now, whereas Jose Herrera was that for the majority of the season. And Bumgarner had even made comments about enjoying working with Herrera and vice versa, right? Right, right. But we don't really get a lot of that about Dalton Varsho, and he doesn't really seem to be in the mix much there for catching. It was such a short stint for him. Like when Carson Kelly got hurt. Was that a pun? Um, do you want to, you want to no, apologize? No, for that I, I don't, I, I wouldn't okay, do that. Do, I wouldn't do that to, to Dalton Varsho. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I mean, it was, it was just such a short stint for him where he was kind of thrust into the catching role all of a sudden because Carson Kelly was hurt and they didn't really have a choice to put him anywhere else. Um, my question is just like, 
with how valuable Dalton Varsho's bat can be. And I, I know it hasn't always been great for him this year. He was hotter earlier in the year. June wasn't a great month for him. But with how great his bat can be, you know, catching every day, it takes a very, very large toll on someone in, in Dalton Varsho's position. Sure. And so, you know, you don't, there's a reason you don't see that many catchers these days who are offensively minded who play in that spot every day because it's just very, very hard to pull that off over a full season to continue what you're able to do offensively um, even while you're, you know, sitting in a catcher's crouch for, you know, four yeah. hours a night. It's, it's a really hard thing yeah. to do. That's not, that's definitely not easy at all. Uh, they are interviewing right now Tamar Johnson. Again, this is great. This is what we were talking about, about the draft. We want to help the MLB draft be better. So, I mean, again, I think that having these guys there, again, you can't force players to be there. And I think we're seeing that across all drafts where the guys are at home a little bit more than yeah. being there, right? But that's it's such a big moment. And One thing I want to say about Tamar Johnson is uh, I was listening to Keith Law's show the other day, and he was raving about Tamar Johnson's makeup. Um, just like who he is as a person, you know, how mentally prepared they think he is yeah. for the grind of working his way up through the minors. Yeah. You, you know, I mean, the at this point, I mean, the makeup of all these guys is going to be pretty good. If you're if you're a you know top three, top four pick in the MLB draft, you probably got there because you have a pretty good head on your shoulders. Sure, but sure. Tamar Johnson, they just raved about his um, just his mental makeup and and his ability to. Um, you know, work through adversity and whatnot, which he's going to have to do as he works his way up to the to the big leagues. I don't want to take too much away from this. I don't want to make it a bigger deal than it is. But like what you're talking about, he's there, right? And of the top five picks so far, he's the first one we've seen actually be there present and actually be on the stage. I, I don't know why, but that kind of speaks a little bit to that, right? Like realizing how important that day is and realizing like, yeah, I get that you want to be around your family. And I get that sometimes being in the comfort of your home when this kind of situation develops is a little bit easier, especially for a high school kid. Right. Yeah. But like to be there and to be able to enjoy this moment as one of the top draft picks is is a moment for you in your life. And I think that Tamar Johnson being there, that's it's big for him. You know, what I mean, it's big. Yeah. for him. They, so so let's say hypothetically, Derek, you are you are being selected in the first round of the MLB draft, or at least you expect to be. Sure. Are you there in person or are you at home with your family having them throw a big party for you? Are you shitting me? I'm here right now in a tie, Jesse, and it's like 90 degrees in this room. What does that tell you? I'm just here to be excited about Andrew, uh, Drew Jones is the pick, right? Like, okay. yes, I'm there. I'm You're there, there because, person. again, okay. the one thing about life, and I will say this, that this carries over beyond just a draft is – there are moments, right? And Ooh. you don't always get you don't always get Derek's to do giving stuff. Us, giving us I'm wisdom. giving you life advice, right? <laughs> this this goes to people that don't like to celebrate holidays and shit. This goes to you too, but you got to enjoy the moments, right? It's what life's about. At the, uh, when it's all said and done, I mean, hopefully we all have the memories. We're lucky enough to have the memories of life, and I think that if you're a young ball player, it's a marathon. Yeah. It, like your baseball career is a marathon that you almost have to survive. It's so much different than other sports. Football's a sprint. Right. It's like, how yeah. long can you go? It's going to be fast ride. You got to make as much money as you can before you potentially, you know, can't play the game any longer. Baseball between all that you go through as an amateur athlete and then you transition into the draft and being drafted by a team. Yeah. The decision to either go to a team as a high schooler or go to college. Then beyond that, once you get to the minors, getting through the low A, single A, double A, triple A, yeah. all of that. I mean, making the money that we talked about during the offseason and how hard it is for these minor league players. How many of these guys have to go out and get a second job or whatever because they're not these guys, right? Like yeah. the top draft picks, they're going to be taken care of, but there's so many guys that are going to be drafted over the next few days that aren't going to have the they're not going to have what these guys being announced right now 
have as far as money is concerned. So it's going it, to, you know, it's, it's a different process for them and it's going to be a long process for all of these guys to make it to the big league. Yeah. So that's one thing that, again, when you talk about Tamar Johnson and that, you know, the head that he has, right? Like that's so important because it is, it, it is a very difficult journey to, to choose to play, you know, baseball. We know about that with Kyler Murray and the Arizona Diamondbacks. The Kyler Murray was drafted number one overall by the Oakland A's, uh, or was it over one number over? No, I think it was the first round. I don't believe it. Yeah, it was the first first round. round. And Kyler Murray, again, he's—it's understandable considering that where he's at in his career as a football player versus where he would be at right now as a prospect in the Oakland A's system. So you know, things like that also factor into the equation when other sports can tend to be more appealing to go into. Uh, Yeah, he was taken ninth overall back in ninth overall, and he's the first player to ever be selected number one in both drafts. Yeah, which is insane. Or not number one in the first round of both drafts. First round of both drafts. Yeah, yeah. excuse me. It's in, it's insane that I mean, he might be the most athletic. Like, like that's insane Person? to, to yeah, be right, to right. be drafted so in the good first round in sports. two different professional sports. Yeah, it's is, wild. is ridiculous. Uh, I, I think it's uh, Geraro ask any chance Drew starts off in low A versus Arizona. I mean, mm. I, I, I I'm hard a, to say. I'm a little I, doubtful. That might be a little early for yeah. him. But for a high school kid, pretty rare to start off in in low A. Yeah. I would think so. Probably not likely. But um, you know, I mean, Drew Jones is definitely a guy who's going to take some time. You know, it's it's high school. It's not college. He's you know, he's a young guy, so I think it's going to be a few years before you see him in the big leagues. Um, but he does have an opportunity to move relatively quick. I mean, we've just seen Corbin Carroll, you know, shoot through the minor leagues, even <laughs> though crazy. even though he suffered a major injury along yeah. the way. Like Corbin Carroll still has around 500 professional plate appearances, and he's already one step away from the majors. 